The Hamlet Podcast, episode 87. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. We left off last time just as the court was arriving and taking their seats to watch the entertainments provided by the visiting theatre troupe. Hamlet has become involved with it and is putting on a big show of madness again. At the end of the previous episode, he was making fanciful connections between chameleons and heredity, trying to rattle Claudius and show the court that he's as mad as they've heard. As he turns his attention to Polonius, we get yet another theatrical inside joke. Polonius had intimated some knowledge of theatre and performance back in Act 2, Scene 2, and Hamlet now asks him about his acting experience. My lord, you played once at the university, you say. Polonius says that yes, he did. That I did, my lord, and was accounted a good actor. Personally, I rather love that Polonius doesn't just say that he acted while he was in college. He has to point out, too, that he was considered a rather talented performer. He was accounted a good actor. Hamlet plays along and asks what part or parts he might have played. What did you enact? And Polonius replies, I did enact Julius Caesar. I was killed at the capital. Brutus killed me. Shakespeare is playing with his audience's knowledge again. As James Shapiro has argued very convincingly, Hamlet and Julius Caesar were written rather close together, and so we have the intriguing possibility here that this is an intertextual reference, centuries before intertextuality was even given a name. The joke seems to be that the actor playing Polonius, most likely John Hemmings, could also have played Julius Caesar in Shakespeare's recent version of the story. Likewise, Richard Burbage, who played Hamlet, would presumably have also played Brutus. The actors' references to their roles in the previous play are also rather prescient, since Brutus stabbed Julius Caesar, and Hamlet will eventually stab Polonius. Before things can get too meta, Shakespeare has Hamlet twist the old man's lines and make a few more jokes. He says, It was a brute part of him to kill so capital a calf there. Brute part plays on Brutus's name, but also that this was an actor's role, all the funnier if it was a role played by the same actor as is currently playing Hamlet. The wordplay continues by calling Polonius's version of Caesar so capital a calf, in other words, a monumental fool, and whether or not this is an intertextual reference, it's a none-too-veiled insult from Hamlet to Polonius. Admittedly, Shakespeare's geography of ancient Rome is a little woolly. Julius Caesar was not killed in or on the capital. But the mistake had been made as far back as Geoffrey Chaucer's Monk's Tale, and indeed there had been a good few dramatic representations of the famous assassination before Shakespeare's rather definitive depiction. Hamlet has lured Polonius into a trap and he's made him look silly, and now he moves on to the business at hand. He asks, Be the players ready? always himself at the ready, it's Rosencrantz who has the answer. Aye, my lord, they stay upon your patience. The players are standing by, waiting to begin. Gertrude has presumably taken her seat, and beckons for Hamlet to come sit with her. Come hither, my dear Hamlet, sit by me. Of course, we can assume that she's in some kind of a throne that will have been set up, 
and that she's sitting beside her husband, the king, ready to watch the performance. If Hamlet comes and sits beside her, then he will be at a distinct disadvantage. How on earth can he keep an eye on the king's face and his reactions if he's sitting along beside his mother, who is presumably going to be between the king and Hamlet? So, of course, he has to say no to her, and he has to think up some kind of a reason for doing so. He's already made a bit of a song and dance about the evening's performance, and insisted on everyone coming along to see it. So why wouldn't he sit with his mother to watch it? Obviously, the court has already seen his sullen and withdrawn behaviour earlier in the play, so it might be understandable that he'd give his mother and her new husband some distance. But he will still need to find a place to sit that makes sense and won't make his observations of Claudius too obvious. So he scans the room, and as he says no to his mother, he spots a solution. No, good mother, here's metal more attractive. It's not really a dig at Gertrude, but Hamlet will instead sit with Ophelia. I will confess, I have a hard time understanding why the poor Ophelia even shows up at this performance, given the nastiness of her most recent encounter with Hamlet. It speaks to a kind of merciless fixation on her father's part. Perhaps she has come to this evening's court function because she has no choice in the matter, and he's made her show up. As soon as Hamlet moves towards her, Polonius is watching. He's still rightly intrigued by the goings-on between Hamlet and his daughter, and makes sure that Claudius sees this new encounter too, with yet another aside saying, Aho, do you mark that? As Claudius presumably nods and watches Hamlet, so do we, and we move into a segment of the text that is quite notoriously bawdy. Smut and obscene references crop up rather a lot in this play, and very often they're a sign of madness, or mental poor health, as we will see in Ophelia's mad scenes later on. Hamlet is in full view of the court now, and so his interaction with Ophelia isn't private, and it's very, very rude. He asks... Lady, shall I lie in your lap? Some stage directions here suggest that he lies down at her feet, but do bear in mind that these are usually by editors rather than by the playwright himself. Ophelia is not going to play along, and says, No, my lord. Hamlet is certainly not finished, and he says, I mean, my head upon your lap. Hamlet is spelling out the joke he's made, making it even more embarrassing for Ophelia. Of course, he could have simply meant that he might have laid down casually with his head in her lap, but in spelling it out, he all but forces us to think of the cruder meaning of head, and indeed the more intimate definition of lap. It's deliberately crude and cruel, the typical bullying tactic of trying to make a sensitive person look smutty for seeing a double meaning in a seemingly innocent comment. Ophelia can do little but play along, and Shakespeare gives her a very rueful, I, my lord, in response. Hamlet still isn't finished, and he asks an even ruder question. Do you think I meant country matters? This mock outrage is the most notorious pun, perhaps in all of Shakespeare. Hamlet isn't rude enough to use this C-word on its own, but it's almost meaner of him to be clever about it and make another apparently innocent play on words. For reference, the said C-word has existed in English at least since the 13th century, so the vulgar reading of this line is not anachronistic or revisionist. Hamlet really is being this rude. Interestingly, Ophelia's response could also have a lewd double meaning. She answers, I think nothing, my lord. 
Anyone who spent any time with the play Much Ado About Nothing will attest that nothing could variously have been pronounced nothing, noting, and o-thing, and so on. There's a great variety of double entendres attached to it. It is entirely possible that Ophelia is just saying nothing, as in, I have nothing to say to you, please stop embarrassing me, but Hamlet is relentless, and even makes a joke out of her response. She has said nothing, my lord, and he says, that's a fair thought to lie between men's legs. His wordplay here picks up on the image that nothing, an O thing, was a fairly frequent way used to describe a woman's private parts. He's brought the joke full circle and is still harping on about Ophelia's lap and her legs. Perhaps with the intention of shaming Hamlet by forcing him to explain his smutty rejoinders, Ophelia asks, What is, my lord? She's already so embarrassed that she's little left to lose, but perhaps someone, anyone, might intervene if Hamlet continues this unpleasant carry-on. He's smart enough to see this, and outmanoeuvres her with his own answer. Just the one word. Nothing. Why is Hamlet so rude? He's already been cruel to her, and he's also told Horatio that he must be quote-unquote idle for this scene that is about to begin. But there's a spike of cruelty through Hamlet's performance of this madness. I get the sense that underneath it all, he's genuinely hurt by Ophelia's rejection and her having involved her father, and now appearing at her father's behest. She's an easy target, since Hamlet knows Polonius and the king will be watching whatever he says to her, and he has to appear mad because he set that up for the court to see. She has rejected him, and even given back his letters, so of course he can now be brutal to her and play the part of the madman and make this mockery of her. With almost saintly patient, she tries to give him a way out of all of this, but we will have to save that, and at last the beginning of the player's performance, for the next episode. Thank you as ever for listening, and do be sure to check out the website, thehamletpodcast.com, for show notes and supplementary materials for this and every episode. I'll speak to you next time.